It's December 24th, 2022, and this is episode 19 of The Mike Newman Show, where, golly, Dr. Tim Jurgensen and I sit down at our favorite North Austin eatery, get together and chat about whatever's on our mind and current events. This time around, we decided, let's actually plan something in advance. So, in honor of it being uh, Christmas Eve, we thought we'd reflect back on some of our more uh, prominent Christmas memories of time with our families in just uh, earlier days. So um, that's what we did. So uh, sit back, relax, enjoy the ride. We'll talk to you at the end. There may be someone that has absolutely nothing else to do, and so they're listening. Yeah, they might be. and Maybe they're in Antarctica. Well, they'd be warmer than some people felt yesterday. That's true. At least. Different parts. I, I, I did find it interesting uh, checking around the world that, that, that Moscow was a lot warmer than Austin was yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So it, someday yeah. we're going to hear about uh, Napoleon's retreat from Austin rather than Moscow, right? Yeah, we had the usual, I think the somebody said it was minus four. No, it was four degrees at the upper part of the Texas panhandle, and it was... I don't know, 73 or something down yeah, Brownsville. Down Brownsville. Mm-hmm. And they're like, that's a pretty good difference, but it's not the biggest we've had. Yeah. And the biggest we had was like three or four years ago or something like that. Anyway. Well, Merry Christmas, Tim. Ho, ho, ho. Welcome to our Christmas edition, our, our self-declared Christmas edition of the Mike Newman Show and Breakfast with Dr. Tim. It's a great day. It's what we do. I've been spending uh, a lot of time since Thanksgiving uh, watching Christmas movies, and so I've, I've learned a lot, and, and perhaps we can contribute a little of that wisdom today as, uh, as, we, <laughs> as we go through the day. <clears throat> well, I don't know about wisdom, um, at least on my side. Yeah. It, it was, I think I was more thinking of just reflecting back on some Christmases and some just things that stuck out to me and kind of in specific but more in general the more i think about it you know some of the specific memories um um just a little too specific (laughs) but but in general it was it was a different time there were um you know family members that were with us at the time that that aren't now and and those those left some good impressions with me and um yeah so I find it interesting in looking back after uh, 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 several decades of doing this, how how the experiences change from year to year, and most of them have proven to be interesting, uh, at least most of the time enjoyable, and that includes Christmases that uh, you get what you want, you, Christmases that you give what you want, and Sometimes Christmases that don't really happen, those have been uh, memorable as as well as uh, we all happen upon that first time that something for some reason we're not able to get home for Christmas, and so we're left to put it together on our own. And uh, it, it it all makes for for interesting uh, memories. And uh, as I say, I've watched a lot of Christmas movies. Uh, of late, and, and, and I find it fascinating how much of an art form that has become. Uh, 
Hallmark is uh, is making a making a good bit of uh, of uh, history as well as money in the, in the they're doing that. It uh, as we were we, we 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 actually thought a little bit about this topic before coming in, or at least I did, and I think you did. And uh, I got to reflecting back on memories that are Christmases that I have specific memories of. Mm-hmm. Nothing uh, terribly profound, uh, you know. No, no great Christmas miracles uh, that uh, that I've uh, have experienced, other than just the miracle that uh, uh, life kind of goes on, and and yep. uh, for the most part, it uh, it's interesting and it's fun if you make it fun. So, I think I have uh, oh two or three. Two or three thoughts about uh, specific Christmases that that I, I can remember again for no strong reason other than than they, the the impact that they had on me. Interestingly enough, the first uh, memory that, that uh, uh, first Christmas that I would I would talk about a little bit is extremely well recounted in the movie The Christmas Story, which we ah. we watch for. Yeah, for 24 hours every Christmas, uh, <laughs> and, and see it over and over again. Well, there's a there's a vignette uh, within that which actually happened to me uh, along in about 1954, probably. Was it the Red Rider or the bunny suit? It, no, it was the it was the sitting around after all the presents have been opened uh-huh. and being incredibly disappointed that I did not get the gift that I was anticipating. Ah, and my dad suggesting, hey, what's that over behind that curtain? <laughs> and lo and behold, there was the gift that I had wanted perched up behind the, the window curtain mm-hmm. where it had, been, it had been sitting, at least according to my father and my brother, it had been sitting since well before Thanksgiving. <laughs> it totally unwrapped. Nice. And well, that's I, a dad move. That's a total dad move. It, it really was. It really was. I, and I, I've thought back, uh, uh, in, the, the, in my case, the, uh, the gift was a, a telescope so I was I was a fledgling astronomer of, of in that time. And, oh yeah, and I desperately wanted this four and a half inch reflecting telescope that I had uh, given my my mom and dad absolutely every bit of information necessary to order that from probably Montgomery Ward or Sears and Roebuck and oh, yeah. have it there. And uh, we unwrapped all the packages, and I did not get my telescope, and and so. Trying to to thread that needle of being happy for the gifts that I did get, but being incredibly disappointed that I didn't get the one I was counting on, uh, and then as a as a uh, Deus ex machina uh, <laughs> <laughs> event uh, after uh, everything is. Uh, uh, all the sweaters, done, packaged, done and dusted. Yep, just packaged, uh, wrapper, wrapping paper all over the floor and the like. Well, I mean that that's a solid bit of um, delay, right? It, oh, it's yeah. not just hey, is there anything else around? You guys were packed up and ready for another slice of pie or something absolutely, at that point. Absolutely, yes. maybe even napping. So it was well done, and and interestingly enough, uh, was done uh, some years before Gene Shepard actually wrote that particular little vignette in the 
that became uh, uh, a part of the Christmas movie. That's, so uh, that's cool. It was neat. Yep. Well, it kind of reminds me of. So I was thinking about Christmases on on, on my side, and we we had. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, we had usually three Christmases every year um, at the at, in my immediate family. So uh, we we usually met at our place. So my mom's uh, mom and um, stepdad came over pretty much. That was Christmas Day. So and my aunt would come over the night before. Sometimes she'd drive grandma. Called him Grandma Jack. Jack's a great guy. And they might stay over, but usually Grandma just didn't want to stay over in a strange house. So uh, they would come over in the morning, and that would be our main Christmas. And then that was just the immediate family. And then usually the weekend after Christmas, um, my oldest uncle, uh, my, my, my father's oldest brother, had all the cousins over uh, to their place. And that was a lot of fun. I mean, it was just, you know, a house full of kids. And, and it, was, it wasn't the grandma and grandpa Christmas. That was a different one. So the grandma and grandpa Christmas with my dad's parents was at their place. And that was usually a lot of uh, sitting around the living room, talking to grandma and grandpa. But then the cousins, because I was much younger, most of the older cousins would head down to the basement and they'd be pe- playing pinochle all night long. And eventually, Grandpa would go down there just to show them how it's done. So you'd have upstairs where it was quiet, and then downstairs where, you know, pinochle warfare was, was underway. And then usually my sister and I were just running around the table. That was a very long setup for, um, well, we'll come back to that. But basically, those are the three Christmases that I usually had to look forward to every year. And the one that, the memories that come forward mainly in, the immediate family Christmas revolve around my aunt Sarah, and uh, she pulled a little, little thing like your, uh, your telescope, uh, on my sister. But we'll come back to that one a little later. <laughs> so, uh, what what was another good memory of yours? Well, the the uh, when I was was as I was I was going through basically junior high school and into high school. Uh, my dad uh, drove a mail truck. That was his job six days a week, uh, about 10 hours a day. He would drive a mail truck. But he also had a, a, a small farm, a uh, 160-acre farm. And uh, he, he, he ran it kind of as a fun farm. He raised a few head of cattle and, and would raise a few crops, basically, mostly uh feed uh, grains that he would harvest and and, uh, feed to his cattle. But he did have uh, a six-acre cotton allotment. Now, in those days, I don't know if it still is, but in those days, this would have been the 1950s, you basically had to get a uh, certificate or or an approval from the government to raise a certain amount of cotton. So you were limited as to how many acres of cotton that you could plant. Mm Mm-hmm. In this case, he had an allotment for six acres. Now, a six-acre cotton patch is is um, is, is not something that's going to it's not not going to uh, uh, make you rich. No, it's not. Much. Yeah. But it turns out it was a marvelous size for a, a summer job for 
uh, young boys. And so my brother before me, and, and, and then it became my turn, my dad essentially allowed us to raise a cotton crop, mm-hmm. and that became our summer work. And any money that was accrued from the harvesting and selling the cotton at the end, we, we could bank that. And that kind of became our college fund, or uh, if you will. So my, my brother had done this for uh, three or four years before I did. He'd hit probably the worst three years of raising cotton in western Oklahoma that you can imagine. No rain, dry, you know, very, very, very slim cotton crops. Mm-hmm. Uh, it then became, he, he went, went off to college at that point, and it became my turn to raise the cotton and have the cotton crop. And I ran across probably the four best years for raising cotton that have, have ever occurred in western Oklahoma. The rains came like <laughs> irrigation. It was like you turned a switch on the, the mornings that you needed a little rainfall. Yeah. And it came. And so in dry land cotton farming in those days, if you could make uh, uh, a quarter of a bale to the acre, okay. uh, you were generally doing pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe half a bale was, was, was getting pretty good. Well... It turned out the last year that I raised cotton, I, I made seven bales of cotton off of a six-acre field. Good grief. Uh, it's a couple that loads. Was, that was, that was and, and so I made, uh, I banked, I want to say something around $4,000, which if you, if you figure it a, a factor of 10 inflation since those <laughs> days at least, you know, that was, a, that was a pretty good sum of money in and of itself. Right, but also you have to realize that that a year's tuition at a at a the big state universities in Oklahoma was five hundred dollars. I was going to say that was less than a thousand. Yep, it was it was <laughs> so, it was it was about two hundred and fifty dollars a semester. That's is what awesome. It up. So I I had banked a a good bit of money, and my brother was uh, was a, a I think a junior in college by this time, and uh, uh, for whatever reason. Uh, the, the Christmas spirit came over came me. Came over you. Yes, yes, it did. And I I felt a, a slight bit of remorse. Not a lot, but a slight bit of remorse. That, <laughs> He's your that, brother, after all. He is, yes. Right? And, so. and that, that I had, had had so much good luck at raising cotton, and, <laughs> uh, and, and his luck had been in the crapper. Sure. And, uh, and I bet he was working like crazy to try to yep. get his, every little bit he could get out of that ground, and just wasn't happening. Yep. So he was he was uh, he was deep into he was he was a, a uh, I would characterize a social studies major at the time I think his major was actually history or some such. Okay. But he was deep into uh, some projects of uh, uh, trying to capture uh, interviews with uh, not his, necessarily historically significant people, but but people that had interesting stories mm-hmm. of a historical bent, and he was trying to capture these and. Uh, put them together for a, I think, a, a large term paper or some type of paper that he was working on. Okay. And in the course of it, he he really would have liked. He really wanted to have a good tape recorder. Now, oh yeah. And this this again, this is the mid 1950s. A tape recorder was uh, um, an interesting big deal piece of electronics. It was not sure something that you uh, you as we do today. You you go in and and uh, 
pick up whatever you need, and mm-hmm. it, it costs a small amount of money and works and the like. Uh, in those days, the the tape recorder he wanted was a, a characterized as a reel to reel. I was going to ask. So it was it would use like ten inch reels of tape and uh, uh, big so this amplifiers. Is, this isn't just like. a recorder. This is a project. It really was. Yeah. And so I, uh, in uh, in leafing through my either Montgomery Ward or Sears and Roebuck, these were the two catalogs that. Came oh yeah. And where you you did all of your shopping, you know, it was the Amazon of the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you could look through the catalog, and you could find pretty much anything ranging from 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 underwear to a house. You, you literally could buy a house uh, from from Sears and Roebuck, and it would show up in a in a, a railroad car. Again, something that Gene Shepard. Uh, uh, Chronicled quite well in his short stories. I think they had probably slimmed their offer down to something you could fit in a truck by the time I was flipping through them in the mid yep. to late 70s. But I still remember getting the Sears catalog, the Montgomery Ward catalog, and I, I flipped straight the electronics section. And I just, I'd flip around, I'd make notes, I'd put little tape on corners and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so that was an event, was when those catalogs showed up. Oh, it was. And so that that particular year, I I had banked a a, a, a lot of money uh, and, a, and a good uh, a good tape recorder. Again, at that time, cost maybe five hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, so figure figure a factor of, of ten to fifteen inflation since that time, and you're you're talking about a six or seven thousand dollars. That's a generous bit of a Christmas economy. gift from. Well, I yeah, I, I I think I I put my my father at least, if not my mother, into a state of shock. Uh, when I suggested that I'd like to, I'd like to buy Tom, my brother, a, a, a tape recorder for Christmas, and, mm-hmm. and you know, I think I think the the idea that I was willing to to let go of that much money was uh, overwhelmed them just a little bit. Yeah. So uh, it was it was kind of the 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 inverse of the being disappointed about mm-hmm. the telescope uh, that year. My my great joy actually was. Watching my brother open his open tape recorder. The, that's awesome. I so, have no idea what I even got that year because uh, it. Uh, I had I had made the transition. I got my great joy that year out of giving something rather than getting something. So now that's that's great because you get the question often. You know how much? What do you enjoy more, uh, giving or receiving gifts? And my answer is yes. And especially if you've really put some thought into it. I mean, but. It, even just a little bit of surprise, even if you know it's maybe not tape recorder memorable or impactful, but you you just know, yeah, I think she'll like this, or I think he'll like this, and absolutely, let, let's see what they. And it can be a little trepidatious as well, you know, if you're just, you know, some sometimes gifts I'd get for the kids. Sometimes I'm like, eh, I don't know if they really get into that. And then other gifts, like I, I, I got um, a long time ago, I got my son a Rubik's, Rubik's Cube. And that thing just sat in his bedroom for years. And then when he was a teenager, he picked that thing up, had YouTube available, and he was, he was finishing that thing up. He's, he basically sat down for about three hours one day with YouTube, just focused on that thing. And he was, you know solving it within two minutes and then it was down to a minute and a half and i I know that's not going to get him on any world record things but going from something i never put the effort into solving i just thought it'd be a fun little thing for him to beat his head against you know a little challenge 
and he rocked it. He, yeah. he really got to where he was proficient with it. He can probably still solve it today. So that was kind of a delayed gratification gift for, for both of us, I think. Yeah. But just the fact that he kept it around so long, it didn't get lost in a, in a move or two. And um, he brought it with him when we went back home for, to Ohio for Christmas. And that's really when he got after it was he was with his cousins and they were asking him about it. And he goes, yeah, I just kind of learned how to do this. Yeah. And that was, that was kind of a good gift. That was a random memory that just popped up relative to, to gifts and so forth. Well, that's where, you, where, where, where I think you, you come to the, the conclusion after some time that, that uh, giving giving a gift if 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 you can hit the right gift whether it doesn't have to be the most expensive or the flashiest or anything else if you can hit hit the right gift that strikes a chord uh that's incredibly satisfying yeah and uh, conversely if you can get that gift from someone else if if Mm -hmm. if if you know that that they put a little thought into it, and or or, or whether the, they may have not thought about it, they just dumb lucked on it. But yeah, they, yeah. They, they hit upon the uh, the one thing that that really really uh, strikes a chord with you. That's 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 the great fun out of all of that. I think my wife is a fantastic gift giver. She's just well, she's a social worker, so she's always working my head over, <laughs> which probably needs it. But um, yeah, she just. From a little thing to a big thing, it, I can always tell that it was something that she really thought about. She was happy to give it, and um, yeah. So, my my wife is is is, is very good at, at giving gifts as well, and uh, selecting a, a good gift, and and it varies from time to time. I, I I laugh in in retrospect because at the time I thought it was being pretty cool and, and I to a certain extent I guess it was but when our when our daughters were very small uh, and I would uh, I would take the girls shopping to buy mom's Christmas present and uh, uh, we I settled into a routine I guess over over the course perhaps even before the girls were born I settled I, I learned. A few gifts that I'd given my wife that she seemed to enjoy, and so when the girls were young, we kind of cycled through the same three or four gifts every year. We just got mm-hmm. that that year's variant of them. Uh, uh, generally, a cookbook because my wife enjoyed uh, uh, cooking and, and seeing new cookbooks. And, yeah, and a dress, uh, a, a nice dress, and and kind of learned. Uh, I learned this. Uh, or which specific stores uh, would be acceptable, mm-hmm. and uh, some perfume, and some other little gifts. You know, so, so about four different gifts, and, and the, so my daughters pretty well learned that what shopping this is going to be. This yeah. is the routine. This, and, these are the kind of I'm going down the perfume aisle. I'm going down the dress aisle. Yep. And yep. the cookbook aisle. We're we're going to get the version of those these years. These years, this, right, is, this, this is the safe. This is the fairway. That yeah. was it. Yeah, yep. that, that that you were you were you were in, in, on solid ground to go <laughs> through those. Uh, but my wife, conversely, she's very good about uh, uh, new things each time and coming up with coming up with the uh, with the uh, the interesting gift that yeah. I would never have thought about. You know, a, a, a really nice gift to uh, to to get. So, and I would say kind of back to um and kind of focusing on my aunt um so my aunt was my um that i speak of here is is my mom's sister 
and um, she passed away several years ago. Um, I think around about when I was 16 or 17 years old. Anyway, um, she was a fixture really in our home in general. Um, only lived an hour away, came over, would spend the day, would spend the night on the weekends. Just, just, uh, just a great lady. Um, incidentally, I learned to drive stick shift in her Ford EXP. Um, I, I still remember trying to get that thing to climb out of the parking lot at the golf course near us because we went out there on a, I don't know what day it was, but it was in the winter actually because I was, my birthday's in February. And I remember just, she's like, give it gas. <laughs> don't, yeah. you got to feed it. And uh, anyway, so there was a Christmas where um, we had, we had had a bunch of snow and it was actually a sunny Christmas day. And my aunt had intended to put something into my sister's stocking. Um, you know, I know Santa does that, but she helped him out every now and then. She goes, you know, sometimes you need some help. And so this gift didn't make it into my sister's stocking. And I remember my aunt kind of, you know, reflecting back. She was like, hmm, just had a look on her face like, ah, where is that? Whatever it was, where is it? And then she... Uh, she must have excused herself at some point and, and went outside. And again, there's a bunch of snow out there. And <laughs> she must have taken, this was a little stuffed Snoopy doll. And it was, uh, I don't know, maybe six inches tall. Just a, just a little one that would just have stuck its head out the top of the stocking. And she must have thrown it out into the snow on the side of the house where the chimney was. And this stuffed dog land perfectly on its back so you could see its nose which was very important because there's a lot of snow out there and it was bright sunshine so she looked she comes back in a few minutes later she looks around she goes it looks like santa dropped something something must have fallen out of the sleigh and we were little kids so at this age uh at the house i'm thinking of right now we would have been you know second grade or, or younger and my sister was uh, two grades younger than me i mean we were totally in on santa i mean santa took care of business and wow there were no footprints around there i mean because my uh, <laughs> my brother was you know making jokes well it, it had to have been santa because there's no footsteps out there i mean so they were all playing the whole thing up and uh that that was a so that that stuff snoopy ended up having the name Snowball. So it was Snowball for the rest of that stuffed creature's life. And <laughs> that was just a, that was just a, you know, left an impression. It was a, oh, yeah. it was a good one. Little, little dumb luck plays out. It just works. The, uh, I, I grew up in Western Oklahoma, as we've talked about. And I uh, grew up in an era where uh, Christmas pageants were, uh, a routine part of the public school system. Okay. Right. So, so, uh, and and for for some reason, I I generally always got one of the roles of one of the wise men. I, I think I hmm. I had memorized one of the verses verses of, of We Three Kings. Okay. And, yeah. Right. And so I I could sing that as part of the Christmas uh, pageant each year. But we had Christmas uh, pageants and the like. So there was there was certainly a religious significance to it all well ingrained or coming out of the public education system. But within my house, uh, uh, the, the, the religious aspects of Christmas were, were, were 
or slightly less than than at the top of the list, if mm-hmm. you will. Mm-hmm. And it was not until literally I was was on the verge of uh, of uh, leaving uh, for college uh, and uh, and subsequently uh, going off to graduate school that that I I became much more in tuned with the true. Uh, religious nature of uh, of Christmas, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm not sure if you were you were old enough to remember it, but uh, certainly one of the the hallmark Christmases that I still remember today was in in 1968. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1968 for me personally was the armpit year of all years. It was it was a terrible year. Uh, and it was a terrible year for me personally. It was a terrible year for society in general. Yep. And if you if you go back and, and look through a bit of the history of uh, of the year, uh, uh, you see all that happened, and you see that it that, that the year started badly and it went downhill. It went downhill the from there until Christmas Eve. Yes. And Christmas Eve in 1968 was the the voyage of of Apollo eight. Uh, Frank Borman. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 actually, I don't. I can't offhand remember the other two. I just I remember Frank Borman as the the uh, the the head of the commander of that particular mission. Uh, but that was a uh, 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 as part of the Apollo program. They had actually, in order to really be in a position to launch. Uh, land people on the moon before the end of the 1960s, they had to skip a couple of steps leading up to Apollo 8. Borman, James Lovell, Lovell and William Anders. Anders, okay. Lovell was, was, was on the tip of my tongue. Anders, I, I was good. Yep. Uh, at, at any rate, mm-hmm. they, uh, they, they, it was decided literally just a, a very few months before Apollo 8 that they were going to skip a couple of steps and actually send Apollo 8 to orbit the moon mm-hmm. and and so uh, they did and the the uh, the spacecraft was in orbit around the moon on Christmas Eve and they did the very famous broadcast mm-hmm. Christmas Eve broadcast uh, uh, from the uh, from the Apollo 8 capsule orbiting the moon uh, in which they read the the first chapter of Genesis, mm-hmm. and uh, they did it uh, while showing the view out the uh, out the capsule window, and the images cast by Genesis, the first verses of Genesis, the the creation of the earth, the the separation of the land from the water. Um, yep. Let there be light. All of that was just incredibly profound, uh, and I like just about anybody else that was watching TV that Christmas Eve night uh, was almost dumbfounded with the emotional impact of that. Mm-hmm. Yep. And in the course of that, watching the Earth rise. Uh, above the horizon of the moon, yep. and you you had the uh, you had the idea. Well, you, you, uh, it was put very very profoundly. Someone else did it, but uh, 
as you watch the earth rise, you you the, 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 you recall the uh, someone made, made the, uh, the, the, the the caption, if you will, that here's a picture of every human being that has ever lived, except for three. Yeah, yeah. And so you 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 have to think about that a little bit and think, ah, yes, I I understand it now. Yeah. Uh, but that was that was that was perhaps one of the and and each year and I'm sure that tonight, uh, for a few of my friends, high school friends that mm-hmm. uh, that are still living, I will probably send them a note, making some observation about uh, being together because I was together with some of my friends that uh, that Christmas Eve. Yeah, make some comment about about that particular Christmas Eve, and uh, as the uh, as the uh, spacecraft was coming back to earth uh i recall at the time and i and i apologize i, I forget the, the the name of the lady but mm-hmm. uh over the over the the capsule communication between the spacecraft and and houston uh they were uh houston was reading uh the various notes. congratulatory yeah. notes and the like and and they read one from uh, some young uh, little old lady if you will who simply Sent them a telegram saying you saved 1968. I remember hearing that, and I and I figured you were gonna. That was yes, because I watched. So I wasn't around in 1968. I was born in 69. But one of the most impactful um, television series I ever watched was from the Earth to the Moon, mm-hmm. and it chronicles the the Apollo missions. Well, yeah, and. On Apollo 8, I think they they play, they made a scene about of that reading that, and right. it was like so and so from somewhere thanks you for saving or redeeming or or recovering. Right, or her her like, words of her telegraph were you you saved 1968. You saved 1968 exactly, and, yes. uh, and that was uh, that was very much the that was very much the case. Uh, it was a it was a socially it was a it was a. Uh, uh, an impactful year. Yeah. Uh, it was there was great turmoil in the nation and in the world, and uh, that was a that was that was a mar- marvelous redemption of the year. Yeah, I don't can't even top that one. I mean, that was even not being alive at that time, just knowing that history and you know, kind of seeing where we are today mm-hmm. uh, and how we're so balkanized, even among ourselves. It, I get the impression it might have felt it just even now just getting a little bit of, of a touch of that feeling um, not to the level of I'm sure you know all the all the all the stuff that went on in 68 but you know we've had a bumpy few years um, nowadays so oh yeah and, it, and we've, we've had many we've had other many other traumatic years and traumatic experiences sure. since then yeah but you know things that happen kind of in your youth and uh, oh yeah it, it, it kind of sets a high bar of badness if you will for anything else to uh, it, it, exactly yeah actually the, the end of the final uh, uh, for, for, for me the, fi- the final mm-hmm. uh, uh, quite memorable Christmas for me was was essentially the uh, when I was in uh, graduate school in Houston at Rice University, and uh, beginning my third year, uh, or in my in my third year, I guess, um, 
for a variety of reasons. Maybe we'll talk about some other uh, some other show sometime. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But for a variety of reasons, uh, my first two years I uh, uh, concentrated on coursework in graduate school, and it was in my third year that I finally started doing uh, original research work for my ultimately my dissertation. Mm-hmm. And so I was I was uh, we we had uh, two. Uh, particle accelerators, or euphemistically known as atom smashers. Uh, we had two two Van de Graaff uh, uh, particle, particle accelerators in the, the laboratory at Rice University. A uh, uh, a six MeV six million electron volt machine and a twelve million electron volt machine, and you use those to to do largely scattering experiments. You would. Uh, accelerate particles up to the, the speed of light, protons generally or, or, or so, and, and mm-hmm. slam them into some material, and then you would look at the, uh, the, the what came off from that, and you would uh, you would do calculations. And it was a turkey mock- shoot. It was a turkey shoot, yeah. And so uh, early in the year, uh, there would be kind of a, a scheduling session. Uh, everybody that uh, all of the graduate students would, and the professors would get together and start divvying up the time. Mm-hmm. You know, this this experiment needed a week. This experiment needed uh, two days, what have you. Right. And so you divvy up the days, uh, and uh, the more senior faculty and the more senior graduate students right. got yeah. their choice of when they wanted to do it, and. And, and then ultimately you came back down to the, the first year guys <laughs> yeah. uh, and it was it was generally pretty much you know how how close to Christmas do you want to start your experiment that's right because uh, <laughs> Christmas and New Year's you know this is where you're going to be uh, you're going to be uh, in the, in the nuclear lab so yeah uh, running experiments and so and indeed that 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 year my my uh, my third year uh, I uh, uh, I had uh, uh, my time with the accelerators started uh, a couple of days before Christmas, and ran to a couple of days after Christmas. I don't think I went all the way into New Year's that year, but I I had uh, I was I was learning, and so uh, by scheduling that time, uh, I was able to get five or six days on the the uh, the accelerator, and which meant I could use some of that time for just learning, figuring out how things work and, uh, and, and learning a bit. And so I was, uh, I was doing that. I had experiments set up and I was taking measurements and, and it came along about nine o'clock in the evening on Christmas Eve. And I started feeling a, a little bit sorry for myself because uh, there wasn't anyone else in the lab. I was the only person in the in the lab. I may mm-hmm. have been the only. There, there were probably three other people on campus. I'm not sure. Yeah. You know, but I I was I was feeling particularly uh, sorry for myself and uh, rather maudlin that uh, that uh, I was here all alone and you know, good grief, the, the whole world was against me and what have you. So about. <laughs> About nine o'clock, I thought, well, enough of this, and I uh, I hit the pause button, if you will, on the uh, the uh, accelerator. I uh, didn't shut everything down because God knows it was hard getting it all working again, right? But you could you could basically put in put a hold on the on the the beam and uh, just let the accelerator sit there and mark time for a while. And I I hit pause about nine o'clock, maybe nine thirty ten. And I went out and got in my car, and I started. Um, I actually had a destination in mind, uh, 
as I would drive from my apartment to school each day, I passed a Catholic church. Okay. And uh, I had don't think I had ever set foot in a Catholic church in my life. I grew up in western Oklahoma mm-hmm. in a Baptist church, and if you really wanted to run afoul, you would go to the Methodist church right. sometime, right? Okay. But uh, uh, we actually had a very small Catholic church in town, but I, I was never in it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, for whatever reason, I knew where this church was, and I, uh, I uh, uh, knew that I had learned that they would have a midnight mass mm-hmm. on Christmas Eve. And so I decided I would go to that. As I say, I was not, not terribly religious at the time, but for whatever reason, that just seemed, that seemed to fit. And yeah. so I, uh, I uh, found... Uh, a parking place. I parked the car by about 11 o'clock. I wandered up to the church. Uh, it was pretty empty, essentially empty, but except for uh, greeters and ushers uh, that were around getting ready to handle what was ultimately, I found out, was going to be a very large crowd for, oh, wow. for Christmas Eve. This was a very popular service. Uh, but I went in, went in and... and uh, uh, the other ushers, you know, said, you know, go ahead, find a seat. So sure. I, about two-thirds of the way back, right in the middle, pretty much, I thought that's, that's a good seat. So I scooted in and had my seat. And, yep. and uh, I just sat and looked around. I observed. Mm-hmm. And uh, as uh, as the midnight hour approached, the the, uh, the sanctuary filled up. Mm-hmm. And by the, by the time it was ready to start at, at midnight, Literally every seat, every pew seat was filled, and there were people standing around the walls. Mm-hmm. Um, I had gotten there so early that before I knew it, I was pretty well boxed <laughs> in. Otherwise, I would have got up and stood by the wall, I suppose. But uh, I, I was in, and 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 so I, uh, I sat through for the first time a a. a a religious service on, on Christmas Eve, uh-huh. uh, but in particular a, a Catholic. Catholic mass, yeah. uh, which in this was this would have been in uh, again in uh, uh, probably sixty nine or seventy in, okay. in that time frame. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the Catholic Church had gone through uh, uh, evolutionary processes earlier that decade, such that. That uh, mass was not always celebrated in Latin, but there were, okay. there were mass celebrations of mass in English so mm-hmm. were, were done and were, were quite popular. But this particular mass, this Christmas Eve mass, was all in Latin. Okay, and and it was a it was an eye opening experience mm-hmm. for uh, for a little country kid from from Western Oklahoma. Uh, the uh, they had a had a marvelous uh, choir, mm-hmm. uh, a, a, a giant uh, organ. Organ. Wow. Yeah. But a few guitars and a drum set. <laughs> you know, this yeah. this was night this the sixties. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and so it was there. Groovy man. It groovy. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Cool. <laughs> but it was uh, it was it was it was marvelous. Uh, I was struck by. The uh, the uh, uh, choreography, uh, okay, it was great choreography. You 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 stood up at certain oh, times. Oh yeah, the you ceremony kneel- of the whole process. And, and you kneeled yeah. at certain times. So yeah. this, this was a this was a, a revelation to me. A pew that had 
the little pad, flipper duders a little down flipper, behind yep. there. Yep. And, and and you can lean forward and kneel on it, right? Uh-huh. And yeah. uh, just put that up before you leave, or you trip on it. Absolutely, yep. absolutely. Well, the, the little old lady trips on it and gives you a dirty look. <laughs> so I uh, I I got an I got an education, and uh, and and it was great. That was That's awesome. that was I I must admit I I went into that uh, service feeling quite melancholy. Yeah. I came out uh, one o'clock or whatever it was, one thirty a.m. I I felt uplifted as you would sure. hope to be. Yeah, and to the extent that you know, I splurged and I went by Denny's, yeah. and and I, <laughs> I, I had, finished I, this night up right. I had I'm, my I'm lunch. going back and they're hitting unpause with yep. a full belly, having heard the angels singing, absolutely, and the thundering organ the whole and, thing and the incense i oh, okay I could, yeah I, I, that is the first time i'd ever been in a in a in a church service uh, when uh, where where incense was used and so it yeah. was it was it hit every every all sense the all yeah. the senses were were yeah. impacted and uh, and it was great and i i that 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 uh, that was kind of the uh, that became the focal point of my Christmas memories, if you will, was mm-hmm. uh, was going to that, and I, I think I spoke with my uh, my mother. Uh, uh, my father had passed away in in 1968, which was one of the things that that yeah, made it yeah. a bad year, uh, <laughs> or at least a a, a, a a noteworthy for madness year. Sure. But I, I in that in that year, I'd uh, I'd uh, I think on Christmas Day, I'd called my mother and was. Uh, visiting with her on the on the phone a bit, and I, I observed my uh, my experiences of going to the the mass at the Catholic Church, which uh, I think took her a little bit by surprise. <laughs> so and, uh, first, we got the you know you, you're racking up some uh, Christmas progression here. Of okay, um, you got the you got the, the telescope behind the curtain. Yep. Then you've got a bumper crop of cotton, which yielded this incredible gift for your brother. Right. And now you're in college and pretty bummed out that you're there at nine o'clock at night all by yourself, maybe you and the security guard driving around or whatever. And you're just like, all right, I'm going to hit pause. And you go, I'm just, I'm just going to go over here. You had probably no expectations. It was just... There are probably going to be some other people there. Near, they're probably yeah. So, <laughs> so <laughs> and, we'll and see where point, this goes from there. <laughs> I, yeah, it was. It, I, I think being Christmas Eve, I think Just most of the alone. bar, the bars may have been closed that <laughs> night for whatever reason. So, so uh, yeah, and then just you know, kind of like you know, I when a when a when a worship service or a church service just hits it, whether it's whatever you're. You, you could be in a just a terrible mood. You could be, you know, like wallowing my own. I mean, I, I had some years like that. And just kind of when you get to look, when you lift your eyes up a bit or they get lifted up for you, kind of like uh, Lovell and, and uh, in, in uh, Apollo 8, it just got everybody to look at something big and beyond themselves. Right. And... Very, Interestingly, yeah. that, that that church service was the first that I had ever paid attention to the the sacrament at the end of the service, the benediction. Mm-hmm. It literally was the first time that I had 
paid close attention to the words of the benediction. Mm-hmm. And, and since that time, literally, uh, at, at, at any church service, that is my favorite part of the of the service, from the just from the standpoint of listening to the words, yeah, and listening to the promise of the benediction is is uh, it is an uplifting moment. Yeah, if if, if if it's been a good service uh, or if it's been a bad service, that particular part of the sacrament will be mm-hmm. an uplifting moment. So, and that that was the first time that I had ever paid close attention to the words for mm-hmm. whatever reason. I think. I think I think the benediction was actually written down in the program at the end uh, for for in I, English. <laughs> I, I, I suspect I suspect yeah. that I was not the first non-Catholic person that had shown up at the mm-hmm. midnight mass for Christmas Eve uh, because they had a that's true. I they mean, had, that, they had a, had a program that that made it very straightforward to follow it. Yes, yeah. I, I can follow what was going on. And um, and uh, that's cool. Could understand it was it was fascinating. Experience. Yeah, you mentioned the the benediction. I, I went, uh, we went to a Methodist church for most of my time um, when I was younger, before I got to college. And it was a Methodist church in a small town. Uh, we lived just outside of town, and um, being Methodist, but it still had a lot of the the pieces of what a you know. A, uh, I can't remember the names. Basically, invocation. The uh, they didn't call it a homily, but it was uh, the message or the sermon. And then at the end, uh, the choir. So there, there was always a choir there, and then the choir would proceed out. And then from the back of the sanctuary, just outside the sanctuary, they would sing the benediction. Right. And I mean, it was very the the impact of that coming a from behind you. And the words that it conveyed that were just encouraging. It was like, you know, may the Lord keep you. And uh, I forget the I forget the exact words, but it's basically peace be upon you this week. His peace be with you. Right. That is beyond you, but it's there for you. Right. And that, just remembering back on that now, that was, you know, the choir. And you knew everybody in the choir. One was the town physician you know his wife was the secretary in in their office you know <laughs> so just small town all these people and it just sounded beautiful yep. just it was, well, after, it was cool after after 2000 years people have been working at this they, yes they, they've gotten it right well the other uh, thing uh, was just that it was ordinary folk yeah and and just that we all have these gifts that you know, if you find them, put them to use, and that's uh, anyway. It was, it was, th- those were some good memories, and uh, you know, um, so yeah, that was. It's probably a good place to wrap it up. I mean, can't hardly can't hardly get any better than that. I no, think. I think we'll leave it with that. And Merry Christmas, I hope, Tim. I hope you have a. Uh, I hope you have a very Merry Christmas. I hope that. Uh, I hope that you get what you want, and, <laughs> or more than that, I hope you get what you need. Right on. Same to you, Tim. See you next time. See ya. And that's a wrap on episode 19. We actually recorded that one live. It was our second live episode recorded, actually broadcast using Podcasting 2.0, the lit tag. So um, the live item tag in the in the namespace. And if you want to learn more about what that's all about, 
go check out a couple of interesting uh, apps out there. One of them's called Podverse. It's available on Apple and iOS. And also check out CurioCaster, which is available on a web browser near you. You can also learn about all those other uh, interesting and actually um, just ever-evolving new podcast apps at newpodcastapps.com. Another one to check out is Fountain.fm, which is another cool app. Um, Anyway, all of that with Podcasting 2.0 is based on the value-for-value model. And that's where creators, eh, creators, podcasters, folks that folks that make stuff, put it out for you all to enjoy or at least uh, stomach. And if you find it interesting or you hate it or whatever, just send us a note back. Let us know how it went or uh, send us a boostagram. And that's a that's a concept of podcasting 2.0 where you can spend a few little satoshis, you know, like fractions of a penny. And send us a message that way. Pops right up to the top, and uh, we can we can see that and have a have a chat with you, or uh, you know feedback. And you can do the same thing uh, by visiting the um, website. Well, the, the website for the podcast. Yeah, I'm not going to edit this uh, at mikenewman.show, and that's spelled M-I-K-E-N-E-U-M-A-N-N dot show, S-H-O-W. And you can drop me an email at that as well, Mike at Mike Newman show. Uh, let us know some topics or questions or just observations you have on on anything we've been talking about here uh, for the last nineteen episodes, and uh, we enjoy doing them. Uh, it's just kind of a hobby, good time, a little fun to do things. And and like I said on the about page on on that website, it's it's a little bit of a technical hobby for me as well. Um, I'm I'm literally rolling this, uh, not all by myself. Of course, there's a there's a cool tool I use called um, Sovereign Feeds, which is uh, made by Stephen B., the guy who creates and maintains and is always improving things like CurioCaster, which is his uh, podcast player, and uh, Sovereign Feeds, which is the feed generator. Uh, it's, it's a really cool tool for creating podcasts literally from scratch. It's a cool way to do that, and that's what I do. So, um, you know, that's... That's pretty much what we do around here. We do a podcast every two or three weeks, uh, put it up, and just basically see how this stuff goes. It's pretty cool. Well, hope you all have a Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Holidays, all that good stuff, and we'll catch you again in the new year. Till then, John 317.